guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. Well, I was at, out in Grand Island at this golf course. We were doing the training at a golf course at the facility, and I went into the restroom. Hey, we're recording. <laughs> you don't need to hear about my restroom story, apparently. <laughs> um, good, good morning, everyone. This is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard? It is Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, and uh, we were just talking about, that's what we got onto the subject of the restroom. I, <laughs> I was out training this week, and at, in the golf course, uh, uh, they had a flyer in the restroom that talked about their Cinco de Mayo celebration. I don't know if there was a reason that it was in the restroom necessarily, I don't, but uh, I wasn't even thinking Cinco de Mayo in that, uh, until that I saw that sign. They so have a, They have an audience in the restroom. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> there is yeah. a, a reason for it to be posted there, I don't know, but... Um, it's great to have everybody. I, I appreciate your listening. I've got a really interesting group of guests this morning, and uh, we're going to talk about two things. First of all, we're going to do introductions. So I'll, I'm going to introduce you as I know you, and then you can tell them the truth, perhaps. So John Hauser, you are the EHS manager for UNMC. Safety manager. Safety manager. You don't do environmental. Um, I have, I work, I'm in that same department, so I work with those. You guys, work with you all know. the environmental yep. folks. Yep. Uh, none of us do environmental if we can help it. Exactly. I think so. And, uh, for those that may not know, UNMC is University of Nebraska Medical Center. Excellent. And okay. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a big dynamic campus. There's mm-hmm. a lot happening there. Kelvin Thurman, you are the, let me see if I get it right. EHS senior safety coordinator. For MMC contractors. That's correct. Which is a mechanical contractor, mechanical. big outfit. Yep, we have both plumbing, uh, steam fitters, and... Don't look at the camera. HVAC, yes. <laughs> I'm just and, teasing, man. Yep, and so, and then HVAC, uh, yes. sheet metal. But you were a big outfit, right? We, Relatively we have, speaking, in this area, yeah, that's a pretty big outfit. We have about 500 total employees, 400 of them are tradesmen. Okay, that's a pretty big outfit, I yep. think. That's mm-hmm. and, and I see your trucks everywhere. So you are very busy, it appears. Yes, we have all foremen on the jobs have trucks and then all our service techs. So we have right around 200 trucks. Oh, man. So does the fleet stuff fall under you guys, too? Is that under Uh, your domain? We're trying to push it away. (laughs) I'll bet you are. Oh, my God. The one thing I would never want is fleet. That Mm -hmm. seems like that would be. Have you ever had fleet responsibilities? A little bit, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's, let's talk about ASSP. So the American Society of Safety Professionals, formerly engineers. Correct. Um, and you are the outgoing president, okay. and you are sitting next to, and relatively peacefully, the incoming <laughs> administration. Not a, not a coup. We don't have that <laughs> in the ASSP. No, no, the yeah. Great Plains chapter here, mm-hmm. uh, headquartered in Omaha, uh, serving the surrounding community. It's, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the entire state of Nebraska, and nice. then the west side of Iowa. Fantastic. All in our chapter. And so um, ASSP is uh, a professional networking uh, training informational organization. It's a huge organization. As we spoke last time when you were with us, John, right. we talked about it's a global organization, not just even 
located to the limited to the United mm-hmm. States. It's a big outfit too. Correct. And so you've obviously got some plans to change things, and you know, obviously, all all newcoming incoming administrations have grandiose plans. Tell us a little bit about uh, ASSP and and what you guys so have going on. The neat thing about my my position is John has we came out of COVID and just like any other organizations just had really trouble with sure getting back face to face face to face and organization and John really honed it and we got a really dynamic group awesome um, that I. I'm not going to change a thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice, man. That's great. And so, yeah, John's uh, been a good mentor and leader on what, what needs to happen um, at the Great Plains chapter level. Mm -hmm. um, And how do we interact with our uh, regional? And John gave me a big task uh, last month that, we're going to bring all the entire region to Omaha in September. Oh, nice. So we're going to bring all the presidents of all the chapters and uh, 15 of them here to Omaha to have training and, and discussion points on how to, how to grow this um, across the Midwest. And That's fantastic. Region. Wow, so, I love that mm-hmm. idea. And so this is interesting because I was working with our, our friend Chris Bryant this week. He and I were doing some training together. And as we were driving back from uh, our location last night, he mentioned, I asked him about the ASSP, and I, I mentioned that we were speaking this morning, and he said, uh, I'm going to the meeting in September because the speaker, I believe, at least for the meeting, is the safety manager of the tower Correct. downtown, and he's going to be addressing their emergency action plan. Correct, Which yes. sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. This is a 45-story building, and uh, how do you handle emergency action activities in a building like that? Correct. I think that sounds really interesting. So talk a little bit about what else the ASSP does, what the chapter does, what you've got planned, opportunities, anything like that. Sure. Uh, So first of all, we were uh, developed in 1958, and... We were at a meeting Just together. shortly after John was developed, I think. <laughs> yeah. So years, yeah. we, were, we were doing a um, current treasurer, so we we're just doing a, a, a mandatory audit to make sure all the books are looking good. And and one of the fellow uh, members brought me the box of all documents from 1958. Oh, no and, kidding. And, and gave me the, the history of uh, ASSE slash ESSP. Mm-hmm. So I have... Almost uh, sixty years of information, wow. and so on. That's really cool. Yeah, that yeah. is really cool that it's been maintained all this time. Yep, yep. and so that's pretty neat. So, uh, so we currently have one hundred and eighty-eight um, members. Wow, and that's grown at least by ten to twenty percent over the last two years. So, right, um, we're having really good growth. Uh, like to continue that on because we'd like to spread the word. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the September and uh, coming up in May, May 19th, we're going to have a virtual and we're going to be discussing uh, flame-resistant uh, Ooh, nice. clothing. Nice. And so that would be virtual so everybody can attend and it's free. Mm-hmm. And then in June, we're going to have a, a tour at Kloss Manufacturing. I love that plant. Mm, People will yeah. love that. That's yeah. a fascinating location. I just can't wait. To, I can't either. Yeah, that'll be really cool. And so we're going to do a tour there and some education. And it always 
typically involves lunch, so we'll have lunch uh, catered in. Nice. And then so that's in June, July. We're going to have probably our friend Andy Wedgett. Oh, yeah. Come in and talk about the new Class 2 type hard hat. And nice. What, what's the purpose? Of what, why do we need to change? Well, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, might be time for a change to mm-hmm. an upgrade. So he's going to come on in and talk about why this change might make mm-hmm. sense for everybody. Here at, M- at MMC, you know, a number of our job sites are requiring the Type 2 hard hat. Sure. Which, with a chin strap, side impact. Mm-hmm. Um does it, it covers the back of the head as right as back, well, yep, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so it, it, I think it's the way the industry is going to go anyway. So No doubt. Um, so and so it's important for contractors like you guys to be leading that so that the other contractors see that and understand that this is the direction we're going. That's that's a big deal. It is, yep. And Good I, I, I can't wait to see mm-hmm. uh, the growth in better PPE. Mm-hmm. And so Andy has some good stories on that, and that'll be That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Uh, September so, we talked about. So you do monthly. There's a monthly meeting or a monthly activity typically? Yes, we have it monthly on the third Friday of every month. So that's a consistent? Consistent. Oh, that's good. So 11.30, if it, you're in person, 11.30, we start eating lunch at noon. Whatever event we have, we'll uh, mm-hmm. Go on at that, so we'll go virtual at that time. So okay. we'll have hybrid. So uh, you're doing virtual and face to face and tours, which I love. I love tours. I love yeah. seeing the plants, and um, so you've got a nice mix of media and. Yes, I, I think we for the people we, that want to be face to face versus those that might not have time or would prefer to be right. virtual at this point. Exactly, that's I'm, excellent. It's it's hybrid from now on. I think it, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. our world. Um, well, you, and has that. Improved growth? Do you think that has had something so, to do with the growth? I, I think it's helped. Plus, it's been very difficult. I mean, we have numbers out in, in western Nebraska and Scott's Bluff. I mean, there's just no way, no way that they – I mean, I actually have part of the med center camps that I have to go out and visit in Scott's Bluff and Gearing, so that's a long haul. That is a long and drive. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it, to come for for a, an hour meeting is very difficult. So, mm-hmm. so the hybrid meeting has been very good uh, to help us. Um, one of the things that I thought – I, I still think is a great uh, advantage of membership is the networking where you can get to know people in other industries, even though you, for example, healthcare has a lot of stuff going on and uh, university, there's always construction there's all kinds of stuff. So you have some people that you can, you can ask and, and contact and say, Hey, uh, what do you, what do you know about this? What, what, what can I do? Um, and the other thing is, we have a, there's like a message board where you can throw questions out. One of the ones we saw this last month was, does anybody know who does uh, drug testing after hours? Because they may have had an, in, an injury or accident mm-hmm. and they want to make, make sure they test it. So, and, and people respond and said, here's, here's who we use or who we suggest. So I love that. otherwise you don't have, you have to call around and all that time. So it really is kind of a time saver too. It's huge. Yeah. And I, th- mm-hmm. I you know, you know how I feel about that. I think networking is ultimately the most critical part of the safety thing that we do, knowing who to call, knowing who to get information from, having access like that. I love the networking aspect of it and just the informational aspect of it because going to a different facility and seeing how they do something can be so helpful. Yep. Because when, you, when you're just kind of stuck in your own little world and you're just you know, the blinders on a little bit, I think sometimes you just miss out on opportunities that, that may not be directly may not have been developed specifically for your industry, 
but they have application in our industries, exactly. you know, right. like the stuff that you have the same, you have fall protection issues and you have fall protection issues. Exactly. Right. You know, you have uh, other safety issues and you have, and probably similar issues just in a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think that's great. One of the, I, one of the things over, over my years that's been good um, is for example, when we, I've been at the med center a long time, they had <laughs> areas that had asbestos and then you, before you renovate it, you need to remediate the asbestos. So oh, yeah. there's a whole set of criteria you got to do with that. And we've changed over time with that. Well, we had a transplant unit that was set up while I started there. And one of the things the physician said is we need to make sure that we protect these patients because they're immunocompromised. So dust, um, other things that are stirred up by construction or other things um, can impact them. So uh, before we had the units that were designed specifically for those patients, we looked and I, it was kind of like, well, we're doing this and for asbestos, some of those same techniques can be used to protect the patients in, in the immunocompromised, the transplant unit. So it's great to learn from that. And now Kevin and I have talked before about healthcare construction because they do a little bit of mm-hmm. that and there's special criteria because you've got patients in, in adjacent areas that are incomparable or they're unable to, to help themselves if there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of... It, uh, a matter of life and death. And actually we produced a, a VHS tape many years ago to kind of educate some of our, our own staff and contractors about that same fact that there's a lot of stuff they do that could impact people. You know, they work on the med gas systems, the HVAC systems, the plumbing things. And, and so it's really important that they understand that. That's really interesting that you say that because my introduction to industrial hygiene was with the department of defense. All we did was asbestos. You know, every every DOD facility was just full of asbestos, and so we just basically either encapsulated or remediated or removed asbestos constantly. And every time I go into a hospital, there's work being done, and it looks like asbestos containment, air filtration, right. you and, know, uh, and restricted access type exactly. things. More it's, than likely, it's not asbestos now. No, right, but, but I mean but the, the same, same technology. Exactly, the same procedures because dust is a big issue. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, we have some research labs. It's the same way. So it kind of translates over t- uh, to the university, too. So mm-hmm. um, it's real important. And, and actually, I do rem- recall receiving some uh, some research articles that said, you know, dust from this asbestos project, or from this construction project, impacted uh, the uh, diagnostic tests in another area. So, wow. you know, it, there are some things that Significant. It, it's a big impact on that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, so one of the things I wanted to discuss, um, you have really dramatically different customers. You know, you work with laborers, skilled laborers, engineers, um, project managers, and you're working with, um, I mean, your responsibilities include... Um, Professors, technicians, laboratories, uh, students, um, the public. So huge differences. But one thing that I think is important across the board within safety is establishing some level of trust with our customers so that we can engage with them and, you know, identify opportunities. Talk to me just a little bit, if you would, both of you, about some of the, the challenges that you have in your work environments specifically and how you go about developing, establishing that trust, if you would. Would you mind? Because I think that is a universal challenge for all safety and health practitioners. Well, I think the first thing is kind of understanding the audience because there's different levels of of audience. I'll tell you, um, 
I, I started out at St. Joe's, which was associated with Creighton at the time, and, and um, then going to a public institution, the university, there's a whole different world. It was almost like, and I, somebody will knock me for this, but the physicians and some of the researchers at Creighton were up here. They were kind of next to God, okay? Mm-hmm. So you had to figure out how to address them that way. And then when I went to university, it was a whole... It, the learning environment, the academic environment there, the whole thing where it was integrated with the hospital. Um, it wasn't across the interstate like Creighton St. Joe's was at the time. So it was a whole different environment. And, and you found who your allies were and kind of worked with them too. And sometimes you have to say, you have to kind of, um, at least uh, you have to go to upper management and say, okay, we need your assistance here. But I think the important thing is is to educate people as to why things are important because you just can't say, well, you can't do that. OSHA says no or this is that. You have, I think if you tell them why and then and help them to understand, it's important. I, I kind of think one of the things I, I found really interesting is I would go around to a department and somebody would say, you know, yesterday we found this and we told them we actually fixed it because we knew if you came up here you'd be mad <laughs> it's like it's not that i'm going to be mad it's that you corrected it so nobody's going to get hurt right. and that's the important thing so absolutely so yeah it's i think you know educating people as to why things are important has been very very mm-hmm. important and, and 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 on their on their level too mm-hmm. i think that dictatorial safety that you got to do this because osha said so or i say so that ship Doesn't sailed work. a long time ago, right. and it probably never worked, no. frankly. And then the other thing is trying to establish trust. So it, you need to make sure you're there to answer their questions. You don't just blow them off, and you be responsive too. So if somebody has a concern, try to address it now because over the years, if you don't address it, it festers, and it's, 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 like, a, it's like a disease and can spread, spread like a pandemic if you mm-hmm. don't address things quickly. So that's really important too. That's a great comment, man. Know your audience listen and be responsive don't you know it's one thing to listen and hear and then but as you mentioned when employees don't see any action well they they don't trust that you're you know worthy of their time perhaps exactly you know? that's exactly. interesting what about now what about on the construction side so i've worked with lots of construction workers over the years my time with osha nobody ever was uh, meaner to me than the construction guys when I would roll onto a site. And I'm just teasing. I mean, they weren't mean necessarily, but it's a different audience and they have different expectations. And, you know, so is there a difference in how you approach it or is it the same Uh, formula? I think it's about the same formula. I came from a oil packaging, uh, packaging Mm -hmm. distribution, and then came into construction. The difference coming in was this was all unionized. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to be up yeah. to th- And I, they are so professional. I, I was just shocked. I know my mom and dad both were union <laughs> members. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never have been. But um, so back to the trust and uh, at one of the big data centers, can't say where, but. Uh, they don't even have names as far as I They don't even I've... have, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we were doing some work in an elevator shaft, uh, like six stories up, and it was all scaffolding. Mm-hmm. And as my wife can attest, I don't really care for heights. I'll do heights, <laughs> but I really don't care for them. <laughs> and so it's not like you're uh, 
guest last week or last month with Rob Lucky that loves heights. Oh yeah, no man. <laughs> oh, well, he's he's a freak. So yeah. <laughs> so, let's be honest. So I they had a question six stories up on the scaffolding. So I'm walking, doing the ladders for six stories, and got up there, and they gave me the question, and I was like, okay, here's the answer, and one of the guys, a nice guy, but I mean, just tough looking, tats up and down the arms, mm-hmm. just tough as can be. He goes, I can tell you care. I go, yeah, I do care. I don't want to see you get hurt. Yeah. And so I think it's coming in with that caring attitude. Not, wow. I'm right. not, I'm not here to be your boss. I'm here to make right. sure you go home. Right. That's yeah. it. Just help you work more safely. Yeah. You, Correct. You, you climbed up to the, top of the, of the area where they were working you didn't do it from afar just say well here's what i think you went mm-hmm. up to where they were working to see it see it for yourself yep that's and great. i was scared and they could probably see you shaking yeah <laughs> oh, they yeah. probably knew that you were uncomfortable but <laughs> oh, even that, that even buys you more good faith yeah. because if you're putting yourself in that uncomfortable situation in order to help them they see that mm-hmm. these, these folks see that yeah. stuff yeah. they you know that's really that's a great story man that's a great yeah, story so. i was talking to a group of people this week and and uh, they were, you know, I was talking about safety, and I said the only thing that is required to be a good safety person is just to care. The other stuff you can learn if you're not, you know, if you're not an expert technically, okay. But if you care, then at least we're going to be making the effort. There will be trust established. They know you're trying. I think that's one of the most important, most critical things, and yeah. I think it gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah. They're looking for credentials and all the other right, stuff, right. and those are nice. You know, nothing wrong with that, but it's not what yeah. makes you a good safety person, in my experience. And I would 100% agree. I got the degrees, got the CSP, but I, my mentor in safety is uh, Dave. Uh, you can say his name. Stolpe? <laughs> Stolpe. Yeah. Are you talking? Dave. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> Unless he's I, wanted. In, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't, he doesn't have a degree. He right? doesn't have a CSP, ASP, but. That man knows more about safety than mm-hmm. yeah. me. And well, he's lived it for 50 years, and he's mm-hmm. given his life to it. So. He has. And so um, I've learned a lot from him, and that's kind of neat that I can mm-hmm. um, give back to. Yeah. Whatever. I appreciate you saying that because um, some of the best safety people I know have no degrees, have no certifications. Yep. They just have devoted their lives to it. They, you know, it's not something that you do eight hours a day, frankly. It doesn't turn off, you know, people. Mm -hmm. You just, you know, you're always available. As John said, you have to be available. It's not like it's an eight to five job, you know, because that's rarely when the issues occur. So that's interesting. One one of the things we had a a contractor on site one time that was digging a trench, uh, putting a new uh, uh, steam lines in and, this trench was at least 50 feet deep and they had a little bobcat down there digging around and they had dirt piled up next to the trench. And I'm sitting there going, if I'm a kid, I like to play on dirt piles. Absolutely. I can see a kid doing that, sliding down in the hole. And the other thing is no shoring. And I, I went over there and talked to the con- to the uh, foreman and I said, you don't have any shoring in here. And I said, plus that dirt piles there, there's no fence around there. I said, you're not supposed to have the dirt next to the hole. And, uh, he says, well, he says, this is the best damn hole I've been in. He said, I went down there and I put rebar in there and it was solid. And he says, I wouldn't put my guys in a hole that uh, that I wouldn't go in myself. And he says, so I went down there. It's safe. I said, 
I don't see any OSHA standards on shoring where it says rebar sticking in the hole is fine. And it says the best damn hole is okay. I right, said, right. Plus, I said, look, there, there's a bus coming by. I said, the vibration on the road. Oh, I said, absolutely. could cause that going. So, so they ended up reluctantly putting shoring in there. Good for you. But it's just like, it wasn't, I'm not responsible for the contractors, but I, I'm concerned about, well, I am responsible for people playing on the dirt pile and sliding sure. in because it wasn't it's your campus. Yeah, it was exact, on your campus, right? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we've we've had some things like that where you got to kind of say this isn't right, but we've had some real good contractors too, and, and yes. they're they're getting much better because they have people like Kelvin who who kind of helps right. get them in the right right frame of mind. So I totally agree. I there's some really impressive contractors in the Omaha area that really take this seriously, and we've all watched it evolve because we were all around when it wasn't quite. Mm-hmm. taken it seriously and it was really a fight to get them to do some of these things and now they you know you guys and others that i have the pleasure of working with are kind of leading you know and they're certainly leading by example i think the data centers had a lot to do with this too because the work has been very lucrative to a lot of contractors but the the expectations have been very high you know they run tight ships and so a lot of our local contractors have certainly profited from that work but they've learned a lot from that work too mm-hmm. and they carry that to other jobs and you know the subs that work there they carry that to other jobs and so it's it's really been uh gratifying to see i i'm i'm really happy about it. now you get out to uh bankelman in western nebraska they may not have the same approach <laughs> but it's a process right we're making right. progress so i do love that um talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that you have in your respective work environments? I mean, the unique challenges that are unique to an, an academia or laboratory work or and even the the variety of work that you guys do. So what kind of challenges are you faced with? Uh, I had a surprising one about mm, three or four months ago. My uh, salesperson and project manager called and said, hey, uh, we're going to be working on this building, and it has multiple, multiple, multiple cell towers mm-hmm. and like radio frequency mm-hmm. hazard. Oh yeah, definitely. And so I, <laughs> I straight up, I, I, I've not been with that. So I'm going out on the, uh, mechanical contractors associations website oh, and, nice. and they had videos and information on this. And so I pulled all our guys in and, Here's what we're dealing with. So um, at that point, I needed to contact Verizon to shut it down while mm-hmm. we're working, mm-hmm. call them back when we're done, and then did that two days in a row and learned that their uh, 7 o'clock is really 8 o'clock because they're in Denver. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to hold my guys back. You can go to work at 7 <laughs> so as soon as you hear from me after I get it shut down. After and, somebody shows and, up yeah, at the Verizon. And, I, and I've been calling for an hour why aren't they answering their <laughs> mountain time? Mountain time. Dude, I have that problem with Verizon all the time. I don't think anybody ever answers the phone, but for different reasons. But So uh, radio really frequency cool. hazard. Um, and Interesting. So I rolled that out to all our service guys because our guys are out on, right. out on roofs all the time. So project managers, uh, service tech saying, hey, here's this hazard. If you see, just take a glance, take a. 10 second glance to see and call me if you have any questions or concerns. I mm-hmm. did that uh, training here in Omaha and then I went to Des Moines for our service team there to, Hey, let's, this is a new hazard that I never would have thought 
right? To come that, across. Yeah, that's great because yeah, good you're for right. you. And who would think? Look around right. for towers. Yeah. So. Well, and this is something that Chris Bryant preached all week long in this thirty-hour class that we do. Look up. We all look down pretty well, but look up. You know, and that could apply to overhead power lines. That could apply to towers. That could apply to a lot of things. That could apply to the infrastructure of a building when you're moving materials around, whatever. Mm-hmm. But don't forget to look up. You know, we're all pretty good at looking down, yep. Yep. ground level. Exactly. You know, so that's interesting. Uh, you have to have come across some crazy stuff. Oh, and, uh, yeah. It, well, we actually had a building several years ago where we were adding four stories to an existing building. The building was a research building and had humid exhaust. So the contractor came and said, okay, what are we being exposed to if we're up here on the roof? So we had to do a whole survey of what all the items that they would ever use in those uh, laboratory uh, fume hoods and then captured or at least collected all the SDSs from them and then kind of did a little education series for them too because they it was until they could raise the roof exhaust you know the steel guys put the steel up and they're kind of out in the open a little bit but then uh, those are designed to throw air uh, way up high in the sky so you know they say dilution is a solution to pollution but it's you know it's not always because some things are heavier than not. Absolutely. So yeah, that, that was one of the ones. And the other thing is, you know, we have a lot of areas where they may be working with uh, hazardous chemicals or they may be working with biological agents. So our biosafety folks are right on the ball with that too. So phenomenal. You guys are like one of the top in the country. And of course, then we have the, uh, the uh, biocontainment area two facility. um, And that's, that's grown over time too. So just working, before we start, when we started that, there was, I think there was one other one in the country. And so we had to kind of design stuff from scratch because it was actually, I think, at uh, the CDC uh, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, uh, or I, it may have been out on the Air Force Base back east. So, um, you know, getting, they, they got a team together, architects, engineers, um, uh, infection control folks, uh, epidemiologists, nurses, and kind of work through the whole design thing of that thing. So I love yeah. that. Uh, that, yeah, you guys have some issues that most of us don't encounter very often. That's yeah. really remarkable. Yeah. But I, you just commented on something that I really have become fond of, that concept of learning teams where you bring different uh, players together to explore some of these challenges right. and how we're going to address it rather than just right. you know dictating this is what it says, this is what we're going to do. So Talk about that a little bit. So one of the things, I, and I, another, another good experience was before 9-11, uh, we're concerned about what the what the facility would do if they had somebody that was contaminated with chemical or biological stuff. And we actually did have, there were a couple of people that went down in a tank. They were cleaning the tank. They went down in the tank. They were, uh, they brought them to our facility and uh, they were off-gassing things. So it's kind of like, well, okay, well, what do we do? You, they're one, off-gassing stuff from their lungs and they're breathing out in the room. So how do you adapt to that? So we actually worked with respiratory care to develop a deal where they could put kind of a filter on the uh, the uh, respirator so that they could filter the air coming out. But the other is how do you decontaminate them? And and uh, so we worked with hospitals. Uh, we worked with first responders. We worked with the community to develop plans, and that was the Omaha Metropolitan Medical Response System, mm-hmm. to develop plans on how to do that. So it's it's making sure you have the right people on the team and getting all the information you can. And so now pretty much um, I still remember the first time I went to a meeting before that is uh, the question was, what would you do if somebody was contaminated with radiation? 
because you could have a dirty bomb or something like that. Of course. And all the hospitals said we'd send them to university. And I I was like, I stood up and said, hold hold it. I said, you guys, we'll probably be overwhelmed shortly, one, because everybody's sending everybody here. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to develop a plan to take care of those people uh, in-house so you're not contaminating your own folks, too. Right. so, yeah, it, it, there's all kinds of interesting Everybody things. said, you're going to send yeah, them to university. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, interesting. we would be overwhelmed very quickly. So. And so, so how does that work in your world? How do you pro- solve problems? I mean, are you guys using those same types of teams? I mean, engaging different players? I mean, do you guys do that as well? well we have something exciting coming up. My One of my coworkers is developing a team to address um, – Suicide in oh, construction. Yeah. Yeah. So she is getting with HR, the labor coordinators. The labor coordinators in our organization are the ones that go hire the union guys to come in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. plumbers, fitters, and she They work directly with the halls then? And- exactly. So them and the shop. So she's going to get a collaboration, some project managers, some uh, mid-level uh, managers together to – Let's talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it, it's a yeah. real thing in construction mm-hmm. that we need to unfortunately yeah. um, begin to break the eggshells of, mm-hmm. hey, let's talk to these guys uh, in a constructive right. way. And so she's developing the same, same That's team. Yeah. And I'll be uh, interested and- in seeing uh, – what she can come up with. She's a credible yeah. person yeah. and she'll Good. be able to. Oh, that's, I'm sorry that you have to do that, but I've read the statistics or I hear the statistics and you know, these are big, strong men that probably typically don't seek out emotional help or support. Oftentimes that's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. I hope that works. Yeah. Well, but I love that idea of that collaboration with all of the players and yeah. even the unions, they know this, they need, they know that their, their people need this kind of support. Yeah. So Mental yes. health is a big, a big topic. See, well, in your your, place, your yeah. industry as well, yeah. just because of the stress and the, the burnout, strain yeah. and the burnout that yeah. the, the COVID hasn't helped. Didn't help. Anything, no, it so. did not help. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, so let's talk a little bit about training. Um, you both have unique training situations as well, and so what I what I would love the audience to hear from you is a couple of things. Who who drives your safety programs? I mean. Obviously, we realize that that we don't drive safety programs. We're just facilitators or whatever, mm-hmm. resources more than anything else. So where is the program driven? And then talk. we'll talk a little bit about training as well, because I, I think training is always a challenge for everyone, and particularly when you have large, diverse organizations. So talk a little bit about where, where do you expect the program to be driven from? So it really needs to be in the departments, and the department managers need to be take a role in that too. And because uh, if it's not on that level, then it's like somebody from down on high is saying we must do this, and that's a real challenge. So uh, that's important. And and uh, we actually our our safety uh, guide and emergency preparedness manual they they review that the first year they when they first come on campus, and then we also provide um, uh, fire hands on fire extinguisher training. Um, it, we using a trainer, not mm-hmm. so we used to do in the old, good old days. We'd go out and uh, set something on fire. Yeah, it set something on fire. Actually, <laughs> right. we'd have the pan with gasoline. And oh the, yeah, I love that. that. I miss but, that. Well, the problem is air intakes, <laughs> right, and you don't right. have space on campus anymore, and and then it's not good for the environment too. So, right. 
So yeah, it, um, we do that, and then we use the electronic trainer. So it gives people uh, the hands-on experience to do mm-hmm. that kind of thing, um, and and it's been very beneficial. I had somebody come to me once and said, you know, I was so and so, and there was a fire, and I grabbed the fire extinguisher, put it out, and I probably would not have known how to do that. Oh, because that's terrific. Remember, in in grade school, they used to beat it into us. Don't touch that fire extinguisher because people would <laughs> would do that. They were fun, and, and so they don't touch it. You get in trouble. You get expelled. So uh, that's a big fear you have to c- overcome with people. Is yeah, you can actually do it. Pull the trigger and, and that. Mm-hmm. So of course with the with the trainer, it's a laser beam that comes out. It's not powder or or liquid or anything. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of have to educate them into how to use that. So we do that, and then at our facility every year they have to review that material and attest that they reviewed nice. and understand it too. Um, so, and depending on what you're doing, there's also bio, uh, the biohazard training for uh, those folks that work in laboratories in, in those areas too. So, uh, but I, I think it's important that it, that's on the department level. Uh, it's tracked on the campus level and then reported back to the department managers. And, and then if people have questions and don't understand stuff, then they, they are, we're always there to help. And, and I've gotten a few questions with, you know, you said this, what, why, why does it do that? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So would it be a fair comparison to equate a department manager to like a superintendent in the construction world? Exactly. They're responsible for their folks. Okay. Not just for safety, but for a lot Everything. of the, getting the job done and all the other stuff. Right. So, so they're kind of like the site manager mm-hmm. uh, or foreman. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so are you then, you are equipping them with training and information and education to then be able to disperse that out exactly. throughout their department. Yep. So that's kind of where you're, I mean, you're obviously on the ground Boots on the ground. The employees know you. The, right. They probably everybody right. knows you when you're you're coming through. So don't get mad at me, John. Yeah. And the the other thing is we we have over 400 research laboratories on campus. Oh my gosh. And so um, we have folks in our department that that at least once a year go in and review that uh, the the lab, inspect the lab to make sure things are the way they are. And if they find something that's not, they educate them mm-hmm. as to why it needs to be. And then they we've developed kind of a nice laboratory safety poster that covers all kinds of things mm-hmm. fire safety it it uh it lo- it cites where the muster point if they have to evacuate mm-hmm. is from the building um it talks about chemical safety biohazard and all the other stuff so it's kind of a real quick reference that they the employee uh, can use mm-hmm. this is interesting because the audience is different your group probably enjoys reading they have spent their whole <laughs> life reading they are academics and readers yep your group I don't want to, maybe not, maybe they don't learn by reading necessarily. So putting that poster up that John just referenced, and I don't mean, that's not intended to be disparaging at all, but that's just, these are guys that work they, and they're they probably all well-read, they, they but they learn, learn by doing, doing. totally yeah. different approach. So how do you guys, who drives safety in your organization? Real. If that's a, uh, yeah, appropriate so term. We kind of have an outside resource also with the data centers. They're saying, Hey, this group, the, the workers are going to have an OSHA 10 hour and the, all the foremen and project managers are going to have a minimum OSHA 30 mm-hmm. before you even come on the job site. So that's helped drive a lot of uh, training. Okay. Um, then we're, we're always being challenged or um, find new opportunities of hazards um, the, with the NFPA 70E arc mm-hmm, flash and mm-hmm. electric, uh, electrical um, oh, electri- yeah. elect- electrocution uh, for service techs. Mm-hmm. And so we are uh, partnering with Todd, I can't think of, with mm-hmm. Commonwealth mm-hmm. to come in and teach NFPA 70E 
to our service tech. So I brought him into Des Moines and What's got What's Todd's last name? Longneckers? That's it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so he's going to come in and teach our guys uh, on that and get them all the PPE that they need, nice. uh, which is around $600 per person. Right. It's not cheap. It's not. Uh, it's a it's a good investment. It is and, a good investment. Um, I thought I was going to have... Um, Difficulty with management, I have not. Oh, and, and, so, and so I was really encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. Um, sent them the cost of PPE per person, cost of the training, cost of time for the, or their service techs to be out. Um, but so here in, in June, we'll do uh, all our service techs in Lincoln. Fantastic. And then come back here in Omaha mm-hmm. and get the, the remaining you service have techs. Work, people working alone, your service techs are out by themselves? Both, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a huge issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you come up with anything interesting or innovative that you that you think is useful with managing that lone worker? I mean, do you have check-in times? Do you have co- we, specific yeah, communication? We, Everybody's got a cell phone, obviously, at this point. They, so. they all do have cell phones, and, but no. But it's such uh, a challenging uh, issue. Yeah, I'm in charge of the service and special projects, mm-hmm. and for me to just find them, I mean, they go to a job for an mm-hmm. hour, two mm-hmm. hours, three hours. Right. By the time I get there, they're gone, mm-hmm. and they're on yeah. to the next thing. So, um, Really challenging. It is really challenging. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the other mechanical contractors has some sort of uh, app on their phones. If the phone doesn't move within 20 minutes. I've heard of those. Uh, sends an alert. It you know, mm-hmm. sends an alert saying, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have not explored that yet it's interesting but yeah there are a lot of concerns about loan workers and i know there are technologies again some of them are you know they have some usefulness but they're not perfect and others are really expensive and but have limited range i mean you've got you know i mean how are you going to connect to all of these devices and things it's 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 really an interesting challenge Mm -hmm. but i appreciate the fact that people are working on it because it's always been kind of an interesting challenge you know so it is yep and, That's, and when you have 100 service techs here in Omaha and another wow. uh, 20 in Lincoln, another 30 in Des Moines, mm-hmm. and for our safety. Put a lot well, of miles on the car? Yes, put a lot of miles on the car. <laughs> I bet you do, man. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to drive quite so much other than that occasional trip out west. Well, we have campuses we have the college of dentistry in lincoln oh that's uh, true and we have also there's, there's a college of nursing there there's the health uh, professions education center at, at on the carney campus that's ours too and then i have a, a, a teaching dental clinic in garing and then uh norfolk is the college of nursing and then i also have a college of nursing in scott's bluff so. I, I retract my my so, statement yeah. you drive <laughs> a lot too yeah so try to hit those areas uh because it, it's a different world and want to make sure that everything's safe for, for yeah. both our, our what, staff and students. What do you find most rewarding about the work? You've been doing this a long time, man, longer than me. Um, I just think it's nice to be able to help people and, and make sure that people can go home at the end of the day and mm-hmm. and uh, also help teach them that you know there are there's a right way to do things and a safe way to mm-hmm. do things and and why it's important to do that. So Yeah, the why is really critical. And, and you know, there's times where we're going, well, I'm just going to do this. I may not need to grab uh, this protective equipment or, you know, as we talked with Rob, I may not be able to, to uh, I, I may not have to because it's just quick to latch up to my safety harness mm-hmm. and fall protection. So, but, you know, one of those little things can end up bad. So you just kind of kind of work with them on that. Mm-hmm. that. That's a tough 
sell. Yeah. Those, I'm just going to be in there for a minute or I'm just yeah. going to be up there for a minute. Those are the, usually the. Or I've done it a hundred times before. It, yes. And it's like, well, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's that one time that could kill you. I love, I love your focus on why. I think that's really critical. Simon Sinek, good friend of mine. You might've heard of him. He's on YouTube. <laughs> actually, we've never actually interacted, but I listened to his videos and he has that video that focus, you know, focus on the why um, in, in anything you do, not just working safely, but just about in anything, you know, yeah. not, not how and not necessarily what, but why. And I, I, I appreciate that comment because that's important. Yeah. Helps you to understand mm-hmm. and understand is important. What about you, man? What, what do you love about this? You've been doing this a long time too. When did you start in this world? I this started in this world and at the national safety council. Mm-hmm. That's where you, you got your start in safety. Yep. And so well, that was a while ago. It was, uh, 20 years ago, 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I started, I was uh, in sales at National Safety Council Mm -hmm. for quite a number of years. And I began, Dave Stolp kind of mentored me and then I took all the classes. Nice. And then after about eight years, I said, well, let me see if there's a difference between telling people what to do and then going doing it. So I went to the oil packaging and distribution Mm -hmm. and there's, there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> there is a difference. There is a difference yeah. in telling you what to do and, and needing to do it. And mm-hmm. it's been uh, just gratifying. I'll bet. And so. Mm-hmm. And particularly when, when the employees show that appreciation, mm-hmm. even a thank you or, you know, we, I, I can tell you care, any of those comments. Right. right. That or, or makes like all the, the difference. I like the comment, well, I knew you'd be upset if you saw this, so that's why I took care of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you so don't seem like a guy that gets terribly yeah. upset necessarily. Well, You've not, seen it all. Not usually. Um, I, I still remember when I, I used, when I worked for the hospital, I, um, during Christmas for volunteer services, I would dress up as Santa and we'd go in Christmas Eve and give a gift to each of the patients. And... Uh, one day, one of the times I walked into a room and here's a live Christmas tree in a hospital, which we're not supposed to have those. So it was kind of like undercover. I was undercover. Uh, let me check things out. So, <laughs> in the Santa suit. So yeah, yeah. I had to educate awesome. the staff. The staff said, well, you know, they wanted to bring it in for their mother. I said, yes. But I said, if it caught fire, they wouldn't say, well, the staff let me do it. That's exactly what they'd mm-hmm, say. And I mm-hmm. said, well, not only do you affect that patient, but you affect everybody on this floor and maybe right. in the entire building. So, right. Cause you've seen those videos with how quickly oh, a tree gosh, goes. Yeah. It's like, yes. they, they wouldn't have time to get anybody out of the room. So. No, I know, man. So yeah. And it, it seemed like a very they were compassionate trying, gesture. Exactly. Exactly. They're trying to do a nice thing. Exactly. But, and I understand. Yeah. Uh, but so why? I, I've had to play Scrooge uh, a lot of times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, but, but the why, again, why, you know, mm-hmm. even why not is an explanation that they can get their head around probably. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting. So. Yeah, man. And it's fun when the guys bring challenges to us. They're proactive. It's like, Ooh, I, what about this? Like the problem solving aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and it's like, we're kind of concerned about this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my foremen are that way that I trust them, but they trust me to, if they need some, need mm-hmm. me, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, but when well, it's they, gratifying when they start calling. Actually, exactly. exactly, they start asking. Yep. And so you know, when you don't hear from anybody, maybe it's time to worry a little bit. <laughs> Things aren't really going that smoothly. They're just hiding everything from you, perhaps. Right. So, and so, and I think in the in the past that was the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're it's always good, one one 
one person at a time, I guess. And, Absolutely. And uh, yeah. Well, one thing I do want to talk about is um, the LEPC. You, you, you've had an opportunity to serve on the Local Emergency Planning Committee, LEPC. I'm not sure many people, people have perhaps heard of the LEPC, but not many. Right. And people that have not. Can you talk a little bit about the LEPC and what that experience was like? Or sure. Are you still on the LEPC? I'm not a member anymore. I've been on, I, about a year and a half ago, I stepped down. Okay, talk a little I, bit about that. I had been on, uh, on it since its inception in the late 90s after Bhopal, India, mm-hmm. the uh, EPA came out and said, we need to make sure that the communities have information on the hazardous materials that are in the community and that they can plan and prepare for response to those emergencies. So the LEPC uh, consisted of uh, the uh, local, uh, the fire department, the hazmat folks, um, it, uh, community uh, um, uh, at com- community uh, uh, representatives uh, from either uh, neighborhood associations. Um, it also uh, consisted of business and industry, so because you have some businesses here that that use uh, uh, may use hazardous materials, and mm-hmm. and they want to be a, a good corporate citizen, and so we all kind of work to make sure that um, our our folks are trained and equipped on what to do, and um, uh, in in emergencies. And, you know, we've had some incidents, you know, I think that Knox fire was, we've was had some a, incidents, a real, yes. real interesting one. There was a, I still remember, um, we had a, we had a board member, at least a, a LEPC member that, um, was one of the community, uh, folks. And there was an incident at, uh, the Woodman of the World, their mayor room. They had some chemical that bottle broke open and, uh, it was kind of unknown. Um, and so they evacuated the building. She called me during the event and she said, what are you doing? I said, regarding what? She said, well, the, the spill of the woodman of the world. I said, I'm letting the first responders and the hazmat folks handle the situation. I said, we are a planning committee, right. not a response not committee. Not response. Yeah. So, and so that, that's important for people to understand, but anybody can join. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And it's, it's kind of uh, under the Douglas County Emergency Management Agency. Uh, they don't run it. It's run by uh, folks in the community. I think John Packett is the current chair of that, okay. and he used to be, uh, in, well, he used to be the uh, chief of security and emergency uh, uh, for Henry Dorley Zoo. Oh, he yeah. He was also retired Omaha police. Okay. And I think he also was uh, in the mayor's office too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and wasn't Paul Johnson? Paul Johnson, the Douglas County Emergency Management guy. Yes, and I don't the, know if he still is or not. But. I think he is, and and. Uh, Right now, the representative on the committee is Aaron Allward. Okay. And he's uh, Paul's assistant. So, okay. So, yeah, and they play an important part. Now, not every county has an LEPC. In the state of Nebraska, there's some counties that don't, but they have what they call a, uh, a regional or wide area LEPC. And then the LEPCs also uh, report to the State Emergency Response Committee, so the CERC. The CERC, um, yep. And uh, so... Um, that they kind of review who the membership and those folks and then approve of that too. And then they have some guidelines where you need to kind of make sure that you, you make sure you have the plans in place for the community to respond. So it's been, it's been very beneficial. And I think uh, there's been a lot of folks that have learned with that. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the groups uh, that's also involved in that is health, the hospitals. So yeah. Oh, so definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cause they're going to be receiving these exactly patients exactly. perhaps yeah. or exposed. Yeah individuals. And so I guess for people that don't realize this, there, there are EPA submissions that we make that are actually going to be utilized by the LEPC. Right. I th- are those the tier twos tier or twos. form R's and stuff? Or right. what? 
it's the tier twos and, and they're supposed to either, they're supposed to send them to the state. Uh, the original requirement for LEPCs is that folks in the community would send their SDSs for their hazardous materials to the fire department. Yes. The fire department does not have the, <laughs> they the were resources like, oh. to handle that. Right. So really, the tier twos are important because it kind of tells about what hazardous materials are on site, uh, the quantities, and if you're above a certain quantities, you have to fill out the mm-hmm. tier twos. And it will tell the location in the plant so that it can be used for emergency planning, right. that kind of stuff. So uh, it's real important. And then we would look at the tier twos to kind of say, okay, where are these things in the community? You can plot them on a map to determine, okay, what healthcare facilities or what schools, what nursing homes are nearby. And, and that kind of helps yeah, in the planning really too. Helpful. Because, um, yeah, you want to make sure that, if there's an event, you, you get the word out either to shelter in place, shut your air handling systems down, and those kind mm-hmm. of things. So, so That's really interesting, yeah. man. I bet that was kind of a fun gig. I think that's cool. It was fun. It, it was challenging at times, but really rewarding, too. Good for so, you. So, well, we appreciate you having yeah. done that because yeah. you're not getting paid a lot for that, I don't suppose. That was, they're all volunteers. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, well, thank you for doing I, that. I had a chance to visit, go attend the committee last month because I had to bring a we had gotten a plaque from the the uh, regional uh, EPA because we planned a conference a few before uh, the pandemic, and uh, I I had not seen that to turn it over when I turned over my box of history. <laughs> so so yeah, so I got and it, it it's thriving. There's good. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, but there's always room if somebody wants to volunteer. Yeah, that so. would be a great. Yeah, that would be a great um, committee to participate yeah. on. I'll bet. Yeah. Kind of cool. You know, some of the other committees that have been interesting over the years is I was on the uh, first committee uh, for Douglas County to develop uh, medical waste standards and, and regulations for the county. And that was really interesting, no too, doubt. because back in the good old days, we used to reuse everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, well, not everything. They reuse needles. I worked, but you'd autoclave it and reuse it? Exactly. Or? The bedpans, the urinals. Um and, uh, I think I got a reused bedpan yeah, once. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, people plant flowers in them nowadays. But, yeah, they do. So, yeah, and uh, uh, but there was a lot of stuff going in the waste, and and there were incinerators. That was incineration was the mm-hmm. the way to do it. Right. And the county was concerned about every hospital having an incinerator, and at the time, I think there were four or five of them did because mm-hmm. those emit stuff. Absolutely. And uh, so we helped develop the regulations for that on packaging, uh, permitting incinerators and those types of things. So that was that was kind of interesting, too, because there was some of the environmentalist volunteers on the committee. They wanted us to go back to all glass. And I said, no, you don't want to do that. And reuse needles. I said, think about that. I said, <laughs> how can I make sure the inside of the needle is clean? Right. And then sometimes the point on the needle dulls after a certain point. At time, Absolutely. And you don't want a non-sharp needle going into your skin because it's it'll rip into it the skin. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's in healthcare it, disposables are good. Yeah. Because um, you, you you can do your best to clean them and that kind of stuff, and they do a great job with the stuff we still reuse. But some of the stuff we used back in the day was not not good. And then the other one was the Omaha Metropolitan Medical Response System. I now think it's called the Omaha Healthcare Coalition. That was the group that actually worked with the community on emergency response for mass casualties, having uh, information and equipment to do decon of patients. And uh, I, I served on the equipment and training committee so that we could get all the hospitals equipped and trained to do that. The sad thing is I've noticed since 9-11, you know, we started before 9-11, after 9-11, there was a big push is we got to do this, we got to do this. Now, as time goes on, it's like 
you know, we forget things and we don't need to do it because we haven't had that. So it's the new generation. you got to say, no, this is still important because yeah. if it happens, you need to make sure you have folk trained and equipped to do that. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's wrap up with a little bit of ASSP. I, I have loved the conversation. I think it's so interesting, you know, how diverse your workforces are, but how similar the approach to safety is. I think that's almost a universal approach in most cases. So regardless of your industry, we can learn from these guys about how to best serve our customers, our employees, or whomever that might be. But we're here to talk a little bit about the ASSP as well. So let's talk about membership. If someone was interested in a membership, the website is fantastic, I might add. And that is? Yeah, give me the website and where can uh, people go if they want to Get involved. Greatplains.assp.org is okay. our website. Easy. And so right on there will be our um, upcoming events. Go ahead and click on that and nice. sign up, either virtual or in person if there's in-person. You do problem. need to RSVP. You, you, we do. Get, yep. If you want to play it, right, I yep. mean, you need to be accounted for. Exactly. Okay. And, and then... Let Membership information is there as well. Membership information is there as well. And then here in the next oh, 30 to 60 days, we're going to request some additional volunteer uh, opportunities. We're going to um, looking at and working with John to uh, co-partner a couple of the chairman positions, communications, um, what else? The internet. Um, membership. Keep, yep. Membership. So yeah. just... Uh, not just have one person, maybe perhaps have mm-hmm. two um, so they can co-partner together. Nice. Um, we're all busy. and Yeah. And, volunteers. Yeah. And we're all, <laughs> all volunteers. Yeah, we're all volunteers. Absolutely, man. I told, you, you realize this is voluntary, too. Yeah, You're yeah. not getting paid for this. You know what I'm right? What, John? <laughs> I'm sorry to break that to you at the end. Maybe yeah. that wasn't appropriate. It's the fame. The fortune Uh-oh, comes yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Delayed gratification. Yeah. Yes. So No, yeah. that's great. And the website is fantastic. And everybody that calls me looking for employment in some fashion, I direct to the website because you guys do a great job with that, you know, keeping that information uh, current and available to people that are seeking employment or people looking for good qualified employees, safety people. That is really useful. But, I mean, the true benefit is just the network. network, Just, Just the opportunity to get to know and meet and interact with other safety professionals, invaluable. Yep. And I mean, the learning opportunities like the fall protection and uh, the hard hat thing, too. Um, I still remember when, you know, of course, healthcare didn't have a lot of hard hats. We had stuff with some of the facilities guys, but I never knew until about 15, 20 years ago that hard hats have a, a life. Mm-hmm. There's an expiration date on them, and you there need is. to have read the secret code to find the expiration yep. date. So. That little secret code stamped exactly, in there. Exactly, exactly. Well, so, let me tell you how I learned how my hard hat expired. Do you remember David Soul? used to be with Kiwit Construction. Mm-hmm. David was a safety guy with Kiwit, and we worked on a few projects together. And David was a big man. He was the big, meaty hands guy that would crush your hands like a vice when you shook hands and then just grin. When I, I rolled up on one of their sites one time when I was with OSHA, and David grabbed my hard hat off my head and squeezed it like, you know, you're, you can kind of flex them a little bit to see if they have any life left in them. And he just, like, shattered my hard hat. And I think it was still... Within its lifespan, but David just thought that was funny that he just blast my OSHA hard hat in two pieces. So, um, yeah, that's how I learned. Uh, yeah. You know, I had to replace my hard hat periodically. But yeah. I love the training opportunities. It's it's really uh, a unique and valuable group. Everybody is pressed for time. We're all too busy, but you you can't 
you can't put a value on how important these these opportunities are. So yeah. and having c- consistent to be able to put your uh, in your calendar for September, it's right. going to be the third Friday. It, it gives the uh, really our helps. members yeah the opportunity to book it into their busy schedules. Right. right. You can schedule all of those things right now and then join ASSP. Exactly. And you'll already have them in your calendar. Yep. yep. Fellas, this has been really enjoyable for me. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Thanks for all the volunteer work that you guys do. I mean, I know that stuff goes on behind the scenes and people don't realize it, but man, those are really important right. committees and projects. So thank you for doing that. And uh, go check out the ASSP website. And there's going to be something on there that appeals to you, I'm sure. Um, Doris just cut me off because I haven't put my membership back in yet. And she is a taskmaster, man. Oh, Doris been a- she sent me a note saying, uh, you're supposed to sign up, and I'm not sending you any more emails until you sign up. So I have to sign up this weekend. And I used to be a member, and then I got really busy with OSHA, and I'm just making excuses, of course. But sure. it's a group that we all need to be a part of. So get, check, get to the website, check it out. Third Friday of every month. Just put that on your calendar now, and uh, we'll yeah. go from there. I don't know that we have anything planned for August, though. That's the one we thing. We don't. Yeah. So I'll challenge the people that are listening to, hey, we, you have some uh, information and knowledge to come and share. We need something for uh, August, I've, I've got October. A guy. So, um, I've got a guy. I'll give you some contact information. He would be great. Yep. be a great speaker. So Perfect. We'll hook him up. He would be terrific. Doug is his first name, or it is not. Oh, okay. In fact, no, it is not Doug. Yeah. My good friend yeah. Pete. If you listen to the podcast, I've talked about Pete Suska. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a consultant out in Connecticut, and he talks about operational excellence and uh, improvements. And you know, safety is just a manifestation of a bigger issue upstream somewhere in our operational decision making. And so, I find his work and writings fascinating. So we'll we'll see if Pete's available. He would be a great speaker to the group so yes, we'll get would. that filled that in good. yeah you, a, you've presented a few times too yeah but that was all that dry osha <laughs> drivel that i used to come in and talk about what's up with osha yeah. oh the same old shit you know, <laughs> so. anyway thank you guys have a great weekend thanks for listening everybody and keep doing what you're doing this is really important work so don't be afraid to go seek out some assistance though man there are incredible resources in the community so yeah. and For God's sakes, don't look at the camera. Be safe. Yeah, be safe. safe. That's exactly right. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week. A Huda Media Production.